Welcome to another episode of the Paradigm 132 Podcast. I'm your humble and gracious host, Rashad Horn, author, entrepreneur, truck driver, and forward thinker. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the theory of multiple intelligence, which was presented by Dr. Howard Gardner in 1983 in a publication entitled Frames of Mind, the Theory of Multiple Intelligence. So some may say, okay, multiple intelligence, that's talking about an individual who has multiple intelligence. But no, that's not necessarily what he's talking about. I consider those type of people to be polymaths, which are people that have a wide range of understanding. They are diverse learners. They can talk about, they can basically they can argue both sides of a point, right? Or multiple points. Those are polymaths. No, what he's talking about is people who are naturally, innately have a skill that allows for them to learn. And when he published it in 1983, um, going by the article I read from the thought.com, it was revolutionary. It it kind of changed the way that individuals looked at children in the classroom. He's an Harvard professor, so a lot of times that's the clout. You know, something comes down from Harvard, you know, hey, we got to, you know, we got to fit this into the curriculum. We got to find a way to, to, to put this in what it is that we're doing. And so what basically, I haven't read the book but I've heard about the book and what really pushed me to really think about multiple intelligence was I was I was on Instagram one day and I was listening to a guy that I follow on Instagram and what he said was it was profound at the at the moment because I had never thought about it like that. He said that people are intelligent and multiple things. There isn't just one level of intelligence or there's or just two. He didn't give a number. Well, Dr. Gardner gave a number. He gave eight. Eight different types of intelligence. Right? And so the thing about it is is that a lot of times um in school you're pushed towards the logical uh, form of intelligence and the logical is your, is your mathematics would be which which I feel like that falls into your STEM category because obviously of course we're in the 21st century and even in the 20th century and 19th or whatever like that like the mathematician has been a, 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 a staple within society and those are essentially the people that people deem to solve the most problems but that's not necessarily true but you have curriculums that's based around that type of learning. And so what ends up happening is children that are not naturally good or even adults who are not naturally good at that are forced to adapt to that. If you're able to adapt to that, good. If you're not able to adapt to that, then I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you just... You fall by the wayside as it pertains to um, education because they essentially, the, the, the dream that you may have had or the natural ability that you had, it gets crushed. 
at, at an early age because you're forced into a particular uh, line of thinking or particular way of learning something and it's just not comfortable with you. But that's not to say that your form of intelligence doesn't allow for you to actually see that in which is being presented to you. If you understand what I'm saying, just because you're not a mathematician doesn't mean that you can never learn math. It just means that the traditional way in which they're giving it to you is not receptive. You're not receptive to it. And so a lot of times those um, particular children are considered uh, maybe dysfunctional. Um, you got the ADHD thing now. Well, you've always had it. Well, not always had it. You've had it for a while. And that just kind of pushes the, the, you know, the child off to the side. And while I was in school, um, I think I was close to being being diagnosed with that at one particular point in time because I was, a, especially in my younger years, uh, kindergarten up until probably the fourth grade, I was probably very active. I didn't really, my... All my grades would be good, but my behavior, um, my dad still has a joke to this day. Uh, he came to, I believe, the only parent visitation I ever recall him coming to in the third grade. And the teacher referred to me. She said, your son is the class clown. And what was so funny about that today is that that's the label that I had, but she could not say that your son is not doing good in school. You know, he's making good grades, right? But I was labeled a class clown. So obviously in the third grade, you know, I'm not able to fully assess what it is going on because yeah, I mean, I'll admit, yeah, I like to make jokes, you know? That's just, I still to this day, I like doing it. But getting back to the subject matter at hand, um, Dr. Gardner labeled that there are eight different types of intelligence. And you have visual, which are people who learn by looking at maybe pictures, uh, graphs, um, you know, maybe schematics or something like that. If you're if you're a, a technical person or whatever like that, um, you have kinesthetic people who who know their body. So if they they know their bodily, you know, they know their body, they know whether or not they're going through a range of emotions, you know, they, they, they know how to channel all of that. You have musical people who, who learn, you know, through music or, you know, via music and stuff like that. Um, a term that I usually hear is that, is people have, they say, oh, well, that person has an ear for music, right? They have an ear for music. So that's something that's good with them. Uh, you have interpersonal, intelligence. Which basically means that you have the ability to look at stuff and introspect and reflect on things. So you're able to learn from your past experiences. So the easiest example I can think of is like maybe a baby, you know, that the parent may say, hey, don't touch that or don't do this or whatever like this. And they keep doing it. And if they get a whooping or the thing that they tell them not to touch it actually becomes the, the form of punishment, such as touching a stove or, 
you know, sticking your, you know, just, I seen today on a video, a baby got their head stuck in a chair, you know? So you're going to reflect on it, you know, regardless of the age that it occurred, you're going to reflect on it like, hey, not going to touch the stove, not going to stick my head through this chair because I remember what happened. So then you have intrapersonal, which are individuals that they learn from others. They learn via communications, group dynamics, things of that particular nature. Um, you have the linguistic people, which are people who who are wordsmiths. They love words. And sometimes those particular people, you know, they get into their dictionary um, type of, and when I say dictionary, I'm not talking about the actual dictionary. I'm just talking about the way that they'll, they'll talk to you. You know, they'll start using those type of words. And and if you're not able to grasp it, they'll just talk right over your head, you know. Um, my mother says that to me sometimes about my uh, grammar sometimes. But I say, hey, I, I the biggest use I use the biggest word I use right now is ingratiate, right? And that's a big word to some, and it's not a big word to others. But that's that. Um, you have your logical thinkers, your mathematicians, you know, the people that have for the beginning of time been deemed as the smartest of the smart. And so when we get back, you know, when we get back to the school topic, we touch on that, we realize that um, STEM right now is a big thing. Um, and I'm sure everyone knows what STEM is, but if you don't, it's science, technology, engineering, and math. So... Um, when you know that a person is a mathematician or something like that, automatically it's almost like, dang, you know, this person is really smart. Because math is, I wouldn't necessarily say math is hard, but math is the only subject where something in the middle could be done wrong in the answer ends up being wrong, right? You could do one thing wrong and everything else right, and you get the wrong answer. So it's kind of almost like, well, I can't even say it's like putting a car together because depending on a car, depending on a part or something, if it's not an integral part, you could, you know, potentially not put an entire part on a car and it still runs fine. Obviously, of course, you don't want to do that, but... You probably can do that more times than not. Just, again, depending on what part it is, you know. So, and then you have your your nature, your nature people, which are people who are, who love the natural world. Um, the people that look at animals, that have a natural endowment for animals, they have a natural endowment for um, plants. Um, so, those are the eight. And... So, as I was reading this, it made me stop and realize some of the insecurities and esteem issues that I had. Because to this day, I still feel like how, as I explained, like the mathematicians, like those are the smart people. And so, if I see someone has a master's or a bachelor's or a PhD in math, like, hey, you're smart. You know, hands down, you're smart. But what I come to realize is that I don't necessarily have to put you on that particular pedestal. I can respect 
your intelligence. I can respect what it, I can respect what it is that you do, but that doesn't mean I should diminish what it is that I do, right? Because you need all those particular intelligence, all those different type of personalities to actually make this world go round. Everyone can't be a scientist. Everyone can't be a mathematician. You need your, as you say, you need your court gestures. You need your comedy relief. But that doesn't mean that you should diminish them because they have a role just as important as the mathematician. So as I was going through some, some papers the other day, I came across a personality assessment that I took back in the 10th grade, I believe. It's dated 2006. So I believe, yeah, I was in the 10th grade in 2006. So it was dated back then. And so I looked at it and I've taken, you know, two or three different other personalities assessments since that particular time. And the results are essentially the same. I'm a artistic type of person, which means I'm a creative type of person. I like to use my imagination to bring things to life, right? So obviously, it doesn't put me into the category as the logical, the mathematician, right? That puts me into the category of the visual person, right? Um, the interpersonal type of person, because I can reflect back on, you know, reflect back on things. And also, it says that I'm a... I'm a doer, right? Which means I like I like activities. I like working with my hands. I like seeing things that I built come to or art that I put together. I like seeing that art come, you know, come to life, right? So that's the visual, you know. So and also I learn by watching people do things, right? Um so that's that those two, I feel like, rank highly for me. Now, it may be different for other people, and I'm sure it is different for other people. But the thing about it is, is that, um, again, I feel that is it's very important that not only the teacher, but the parent, and if you have an older sibling or something like that, and you have a younger sibling, if you're the older sibling, have a younger sibling or something like that, if you feel like, hey, you're helping, you know, babysit your little brother or little sister, then, you know, it's, it's important that not only you figure out what's your best way of learning, but also try to figure out what's your sibling or your cousin, you know, or Again, if you're a parent that's in your child's life every, you know, all the time, you're going to the the parent-teacher conferences and things like that, it's very important that you as well, you're able to figure out what is the best way of your child, best way for your child to learn, because a lot of times it's all it takes, right? And any one of those eight can be put into any type of um, major or class, right? So, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to be a mathematician just because you can use your visual learning expertise to figure out, you know, what the, you know, what the math is. You may just not be interested in math or you may not be interested in something else, but you still have the ability, you possess what it takes to actually learn the material. But if you're not able to have access to actually see that or 
really bring that to fruition, then you you are going to struggle, right? Because um, some people, again, um, I can sit there and I can, um, you know, I remember in school, you sit there, you look at a book, you know, the teacher send you home and say, hey, read these particular pages. And again, like I said, I like reading, right? And I learned, you know, I learned, you know, I learned that way. And so, but the thing about it is, is that you get to the, you know, you get back to class and the teacher does the lecture. So obviously, of course, the teacher is only going to, you know, try to fit it into the way that they feel most comfortable doing it, which is getting in front of the class and lecturing, which that may not necessarily be the best way of doing it because that doesn't necessarily mean it reaches everybody. And so a prime example of that is um, I was working on something the other day. And I, I mean, I, I read one of his uh, books, Dr. Ben Carson. And it talked about how when he was in med school, how he was about to flunk out of med school because he couldn't, you know, grasp what the, the professor was saying. And so what he did was is that he, he, he would skip the lectures, right? He would skip the lectures. He would find out what the material was on and he would study it because that was his way, that was his way of learning it. So in most schools, you don't have that option of just saying, hey, um, third period, we got biology. Okay, well, I'm going to skip it. You know, I'm just going to go in the lab, right? And try to, they're talking about, um, a greenhouse. So I'm going to go try to replicate a greenhouse so I can understand what is in that book or a person skipping the lecture and say, hey, well, I'm just going to read the biology book. I know what chapters we're going to study. So I'm going to do that. You don't have that option, right? You don't have that option. And and you can go home, obviously, of course, and and do that. But if you feel like you're going to be sidetracked by the lecture the next day, because you can't essentially you can't go to sleep in class, you know, you can't go to sleep in class, you know, in college, you maybe you can. But in high school, they, they don't want you to go to sleep, at least in my school, they didn't want you to go to sleep. You know, it was deemed disrespectful. They'll, you know, they'll wake you up or if you continue to do it, you'll get in trouble. Right. But the thing about it was, is that no one ever stopped and said, well, how can we make this resonate with you? You know, what 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 is it that we can do to help for this resonate with you? Now, obviously, of course, this kind of goes along with, you know, my whole mission is, is, is changing the paradigm and being a critical thinker more so now than anything, because it's like, OK, unless you are born with a learning disability, such as maybe um autism or Down syndrome or something of that particular nature, then there is a way for you to learn the subject, you know, learn the material. It doesn't mean, again, like I said, that you're going to, that's going to be your passion, that you're going to go and say, hey, I'm going to go get in this field. Like, hey, you know, hey, I'm going to be, um, you know, um, an editor for a newspaper or an editor for a digital newspaper, you know, or something of that nature. Because, I understand subject verb agreement. I understand prepositional phrases. Doesn't mean that's what you're gonna do. It just means that you have found a way that you can understand that, right? And so again, if you're able to understand it logically or whatever that situation is, 
cool. If you're able to understand it by the teacher doing, you know, the lecture, cool. If you were able to understand it by doing group activities, cool. But the whole thing about it is that it should be a variety of doing it. Because I remember, you know, sometimes we would do like group activities, you know, and and sometimes the teacher would force you to get in different groups. You know, you couldn't get in the group with your friends because they knew you could get in the group with your friends. All this talking going on, it's not going to be much learning. But if you get in there with kind of with a group of strangers, then it kind of gets into that intrapersonal because now, okay, I'm learning this person. Okay, you're good at writing. Okay, you're good at um, drawing, right? Oh, okay, you're a good speaker. Okay, so now everyone has a job, right? You've learned each other. So now it's time for you to individually feel like, okay, individually find out, okay, I'm on my own. I have a little freedom. So the best way for me to learn this is doing it this way, right? Because only you know the best way that you can learn. It's not like you have, you know, they don't give you an option to say, well, what's the best way you can learn? Okay, well, the best way I can learn is not coming to the lecture and just reading the book. You have that option in college to an extent, but you don't have that option at the lower level schools. And some people may say that's asinine to say or to think that maybe someone as young as maybe in the fifth grade feels like that, you know what, I'm not learning anything in this class. I need to I need to do something else. Right? I need to go do something else. And so that's where like I you know, me personally being an artistic person, a creative person, I try to incorporate as much um learning and education and what it is that I create as possible because I know that there's a group of people, a large group of people, that that's the way that they learn. That's that's their only way that they learn. That's the only way they're going to try to learn while someone else may try to do something else. So each method is effective, but it's just about identifying which one of the eight are you good at. You know, you may be good at three out of the eight. You may be good out of five out of eight. Maybe you're good at one out of eight. You're not going to be good at, at 8 out of 8, right? I don't think there's going to be a person that's, that's that's good at all 8. So I'll just say maybe 4 at the max, maybe, or maybe 5. But you're not going to be good at out of 8 out of 8. So getting back to it again, it it's intriguing because it's a critical assessment. It makes you think critically. It makes you stop and wonder, okay, well, how, how do I learn? It kind of makes you reflect on things, which gets back into your interpersonal. It makes you think back, okay, well, what was the what was the what was the the way that I was able to to learn something, right? Be reflective. And once you reflect, you may say, okay, well, the best way I learned maybe is from the reflection, right? Or maybe it was from seeing a picture, you know, but you have a little perspective about yourself. You're able to learn yourself. But if you know, like, hey, I'm not good at learning this way, I'm just not going to, you know, I just can't do it. Now, obviously, you can get, again, like I said, you can get tutors and, and things of that nature, but it's just, I don't, it may work, but it's not, it's not retaining anything because, First of all, you already feel like that a lot of this stuff, because that's the that's the long 
standing thing is like, dang, you learn all this stuff. and like, man, where am I going to use this in the real world? Right? Where am I going to use this in the real world? But if you're able to look at it into one of your eight learning, your one of your eight intelligence, then by that you may say, oh, okay, I can use it, you know, in that. But if you're not looking at it from that standpoint, then maybe, and I'm, I'm guilty of doing that myself. I'm guilty of um, saying, well, I'm not going to use this in the real world. And a lot of stuff I didn't use in the real world. But in my opinion, I feel like that I didn't necessarily put myself in positions necessarily to actually use those particular things in the real world. Right? But again, like I said, that's 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 on me. That's you know, that's not on anyone else. But we should appreciate everyone's you know, everyone's you know, personal intelligence. You shouldn't try to put one above the other. And I feel like that's the way that we have it now. Um, the scholars, which are your academia people, they are highly regarded, right? And they, I mean, they should be, you know, to an extent, because a lot of these people, they, they, they set global policies. They set, you know, they, they either read, you know, they, we're in a capitalistic society, so they they felt like, hey, this this is the you know this is what we need to do, but that does not mean that we should diminish the individuals, such as Stan Lee, you know, as an example of someone that created comic books and helped people have fantastic childhoods. Walt Disney, the same thing, created all of those characters and all of the people that. Um, came after him that created cartoons and things like that you know they have a level of intelligence that shouldn't be diminished as well because they've touched just as many people as the mathematicians the engineers you know all of those the academia people they've touched people as well um the people that care about nature you know they have a have a you know have a claim as well of being put up there which everyone does because hey we're bringing awareness to, to the climate, you know? We, we care about the trees, the animals, you know? We're, we're, we're telling you, hey, you, you don't need to do this, you don't need to do that. You know, this, they, they're able to, to have a compassion for that and they, they, they're able to grasp that and bring it full circle. And sometimes each one of them can, you know, each one of those particular intelligence can be a nuisance, you know, if, it's, if it goes too far, but Again, the whole point is about don't diminish that because what I've learned, again, getting back to introspective, is that once you kill a dream or basically what I'm saying, put someone's intelligence in an inferior status and put a one above it, then you get what you have, um, which is, and which I feel like that that is a lot of the cause to the, um, a lot of the, you know, crime and and violence and and things like that is because people are not able to exhibit the way that they want to exhibit because it's zapped at such an early age, and so by the time that they catch back up with it or maybe they never catch back up with it. 
they feel like, oh, well, it's too late now, right? So, again, if you, like I said, if you're a parent, um, try to identify that early, right? Try to identify that early so that way you can, you know, do everything within your power to help your child, obviously, um, you know, and if you do that, then, you know, you maybe can help get on the initiative and you can kind of push more forward thinking, you know, you know, more progress instead of being conservative. Um, if you're an older sibling, you know, look out for your, your younger sibling, you know. Um, you're older, just to, I mean, some are just a day older, some are a couple of years older, but still that's your younger sibling. And try to look out for them. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But we really need to really stop and think about that. And obviously, of course, this is a theory, right? This isn't a law. This is just a theory, which means it's just, it can be disputed. And I'm sure it is disputed. And I know it's disputed because I read an article. I read, I read, matter of fact, I read quite a few articles that are, you know, disputing this particular claim to say that some of these are not um, intelligence, so to speak. You know, that that's not what they are. They're just a, they didn't say a gift. They basically said they fall into another category, but it's not a form of intelligence, you know, so to speak. You can call it intelligence, you can call it a gift or whatever the situation is, but in the long run, um, we have to really sit back and we have to identify these things. Um, things are changing and it kind of goes back to the old analogy of forcing a square peg into a round hole. Stop doing it, you know, and 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 appreciate what it is that um, you do yourself and what your younger sibling, what your child does. You know, just just grasp it because a lot of times I know a lot of people say, okay, when I have a child, they're you know they're gonna do this, they're gonna do that, and I'm gonna be honest with you, I've never heard. Someone say, well, you know, this is going to be my little uh, movie director right here. Or this is going to be my next. They're going to create a, you know, the cartoon that's going to help, you know, push people over the top. And some of those things to people sound far-fetched. And the reason it sounds far-fetched is because what they're putting it on is they put the, the, the grade, the, the level that they're putting it on, they're putting it at the highest of high levels, Right. And that doesn't necessarily mean that that person, your child or whatever, is going to make it there. It's not like that in any other, you know, you know, let me slow down. When you put it at the highest of high, then it does seem like it's not obtainable, right? So it's kind of like, so just think about one of the traditional things. Okay, someone says, hey, um, my child's going to be a doctor, Right. They don't think and say, oh, well, they can't be a doctor because they're not going to be like Dr. James Andrews or Dr. Ben Carson. They don't think about that. They just think about, hey, you know, be a doctor. Or they're thinking about an attorney. They're not thinking about, you know, Johnny Cochran or some of these other high-profile attorneys that, you know, have the fanfare. They're just thinking about an attorney, right? 
So if someone says, hey, I want to be a comedian, they'll say, you know, the first thing they'll say, oh, well, you can't be like, uh, you, you trying to be like Kevin Hart? You trying, you know, depending on the age, you trying to be like Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor? But what they're not understanding is that the same hierarchy that you have in those particular fields that are not traditional, so to speak, fields that people get in or fields that people, some people feel like those are a waste of time. It's the same hierarchy in those other traditional fields. It's the same thing. And you can be a flop in those traditional fields just like you can be a flop in the non-traditional fields, right? It's the same thing. So, you know, you just identify, you know, these intelligence, you know, your way of learning and, and what you just naturally are gifted at and just go for it. It's wide open. I mean, like I said, I, I want to, you know, one of my things, I want to do movies. But I'm not saying, hey, I want to be, I mean, I would love to be um, revered as, they say, oh, well, we got a Rashad Horn production. It's my name right next to Martin Scorsese or um, John Singleton, you know, Jordan Peele. You know those names. You know I would love for my name to be attached to that, but I don't. I don't necessarily have to make it to that because at the end of the day, as long as I'm happy with what I'm doing, which is the whole thing about it, as long as I'm happy with it, it's cool. You know, I could just be a person that makes stuff for Lifetime and Netflix. I'd be just fine. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But we just really have to really, you know take heed to this and really just really stop and think about it. Pick up that book. Um, I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to read it a little bit more and I'll probably touch on it again on a later podcast once I kind of, you know, delve into it a little bit deeper. But it's just, an, you know, it's just something, you know, to have on your mind to think about, um, you know, some of the, the things that we do, how we put some people ahead of us, you know, the superior inferior type of thing based on a certain intelligence or a certain skill being relegated as being higher than the others when that's, that shouldn't be the case at all. So that does it for this show. If you like what you hear, subscribe, give me a, give me a five star rating or whatever rating and leave some reviews, you know, leave some reviews, things I need to work on, you know, things, you know, some of the things that you don't. I listen to these, you know, I listen to myself uh, talk over and sometimes I re-record these things multiple times because sometimes I feel like I talk too slow. Sometimes I feel like I talk too fast. Sometimes I feel like, hey, I'm tongue-tied, but I'm trying to give you, you know, the best of me. And I'm only going, you know, I'm only going to get better because it's something I'm really, really passionate about doing. So, again, if you like what you hear, subscribe. Give me that five-star rating. And... If you want to um, help support, um, there's a link for that. You can help support. So it's another episode of Paradigm 132. I'm out. Peace.